I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Welcome to Mischief Makers, your one-stop shop for all things mischief. Join your host, Dave Hearn, as he finds out what makes mischief, well, mischief. Uh, hello, and welcome back to Mischief Makers. I say welcome back, uh, you've, you know, we've not gone anywhere. This is the start of the episode. Uh, so hello, I'm Dave Hearn, uh, and with me I have the uh, company director of mischief, and one of the kindest people I've ever oh. known. Uh, that's Mr. Jonathan Sayer. Hello, Jono. Hello. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, I'm not bad. Uh, So I sort of say this at the top of every episode um, because uh, I think it's important. I have no technical ability, so uh, this is all going to be one take. So anything, (laughs) nothing's going to get cut out. Um, So uh, anything you say is on record. Then that's, that's in there now. Yeah, it's all in there. You can't take that out. No, can't take can't take anything out. Oh no, I've, I've gone in early with a with a curse word. No, that's fine. That's fine. Fuck. There, there's one. Um, <laughs> apologies to anyone, <laughs> you know, who's played this to their kids. Yeah, sorry everyone. Um, so uh, yeah, as you know, because uh, we've had a quick chat about this, uh, this is designed to kind of help people get to know mischief and also to kind of talk about. Uh, you know, your approach to acting and writing and comedy and all those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the first section we've got is the uh, the getting to know you section. Um, and as we were, uh, as we were talking before, uh, I don't have any jingles prepared. So I'm asking everyone to do a little, a little jingle. So could you improvise for me a kind of getting to know you jingle? Okay. Bum, bum, bubbity, bum, 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 bubbity, bum. Bum bum bubbity bum bum, getting to know you. Ow! That was very good, very very good. Thank you. Because um, we've had so the only two people I've interviewed before this are Henry Shields and Henry Lewis, so by far the, the most musical. How was it? Well, well, Shields can play the piano. Yeah, he did play the piano in his, but um, he because he had his headphones on, he couldn't hear the piano, so he couldn't pitch it. Jingle. Uh, so- <laughs> I thought what he played. Not not to critique, but I thought I, it wasn't very jingle-like. It was quite um, it was quite slow and um, it was very melodic. But it, it didn't. Yeah. Like, it wasn't an earworm, and a jingle needs to be a, an earworm. Uh, yeah, that's very true. Do you believe that yours was an earworm? I, I don't think you'll ever forget. Bum bum bubbly bum bum. <laughs> bum bum bum. Yes, can't forget that. That is very true. It's good. I like it. Um, well, that actually leads us into. Um, 
our first question, actually, your musical ability. Uh, so you were, uh, some people might not know this, but you were a child star. Uh, <laughs> could you tell us a bit about that? I did um, musicals when I was a kid. So I toured with um, Oliver and Leah Miz and Whistle Down the Wind and Dr. Doolittle. So from the age of around 11 to 12, I had, yeah, I kind of, I worked, I worked professionally um, touring the country doing shows. So you'd do kind of two weeks at home in school and then you'd go away for two weeks and do the show and kind of be schooled where you'd take, you'd take, take kind of homework with you. And yeah, so that's, that's, um, that's how I grew up. I kind of stopped doing it when I was about probably 14, 15, because I, I looked like now I look quite young and I'm small, but back then I looked like a baby when I was when I was kind of 12, 13. So I think in theory, you've got someone who could play little kids, but who had a, an added maturity. Yeah, that's that's pretty handy skill set to have there. And uh, did you learn anything from your work as a child star? I think it gave me like, um, I think it's like, it's on the whole, I think it's a really great thing. I think it makes you grow up quite quick because you're, you're just, I spent like a lot of my childhood or my kind of, you know, my, my teen years and my just my preteen years in in fully adult company. Um, mm. You know, so I think it gives you it gives you a lot of independence. I think, and it makes you quite um, makes you quite resilient. I think it makes you quite disciplined because you're in an environment where the expectations are that you will behave like a small adult rather than like a a child, which is what you are. So I think that's yeah. really good, and um, you know, it makes you makes you quite good with your own company i think like I, I really like reading and things like that and i think that's because i you know I, you'd be on your own quite a lot in in kind of you know digs and kind of b&bs and stuff like that um so no i thought like, wonderful wonderful experience and uh this this is slightly cheeky because this is insider knowledge but you you had quite a bad accident didn't you or was it on les mis yeah, I got my head. I've got, I've got my hair caught in the in the river. Never <laughs> um, died. I kind of flopped forward onto the bodies, and I I, I missed I misjudged the flop, so I, I flew forward with an extra little bit of um um, and yeah, my my head got my hair got caught in the revolve, and kind of a big chunk of it got pulled out. And I never really mentioned it when it happened because I didn't want to um. I didn't want to kick up a fuss, but yeah, it was it was um, it was very very painful. From what I remember, and, and <laughs> it was was obviously I was dead, <laughs> so I just <laughs> um, as my hair got yanked out of my head, um, as as the song "Turning" began to play. The irony of that, plus your sort of first ever goes wrong experience, I guess. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably up there. Although prob- there's probably other stuff before that. I remember um, picking up, like, there was a, a, a part in the show I had to pick up, like, a cat um, that had passed away. And um, the cat was um, essentially a bean baby kind of thing. And as I, p- I picked up the cat, um, all the beans fell out of it. That was... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I remember that being very funny. <laughs> it could go in, in, in one of the shows. So that was very amusing. And my reaction time to it, I remember being quite slow. So I just kind of let it slowly void itself of all these little white <laughs> until it was just a, a floppy sock. I remember that happening. I can't even remember what show that was, but I remember that happening. That's really bleak. Yeah, yeah. And so when you when you were doing your tours and stuff, because um, you're not native to London, are you? Were you no. doing them mostly in the north? No, you tour all over the shops. You, you're not. You're not. You don't go into London because it's, well, well, I didn't because I wasn't in a West End. And I was. Um, you were in a tour, but but you'd, you'd you'd go down to like um, Southampton and you know Portsmouth and all that kind of stuff. You'd play right up at the top. You know, I remember performing in Aberdeen and you know in in, in Glasgow and uh, but yeah, also like Les Mis, I predominantly did in in the north. I did that in Sheffield and Manchester. But like some of the other shows, um, Down the Wind and stuff like that, was literally just, um, yeah, all over the country. Wow, that's so crazy. And so um, tell us a bit about where you're from originally. I don't, I don't sound like it anymore just because, because for, I suppose from a young age I have just travelled about quite a lot. Um, and also I spend all my time with Henry and Henry who are, you know, posher than me. Or more, mm. more, 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 
RP in speech. Um, yeah. I'm from, I'm from um, a little place called Ashton on the line, um, which is just outside of Manchester. So it's in the borough of Greater Manchester. That's where I'm from. So I'm a proud Mancunian. Yes, yes, you are. And you have uh, showed your pride uh, by... Uh, tell, tell us a bit about the, the football club. Right, so um, I come from a very sporty family. So me being involved in the arts is a bit of an anomaly, really. My dad was a semi-professional footballer for a team called Curzon Ashton. And my granddad was a really quite successful part-time footballer for a team called Ashton United and has the record for most appearances for that club. And they currently play in, I suppose it would be Division 7 of the Football League. And last year, they ended up in a spot of bother um, in that they just needed more people to be involved. And they sent out a bit of a Twitter SOS. And I got in touch and said, you know, I have this family link to the club. And, um, I, you know, I, I used to go and watch when I was a kid and all that. And sadly, I'm not very good at football, but I would love to be involved um, behind the scenes if that was permissible. And I ended up joining the board and through a, uh, various kind of um, through a few different things that happened, I've now become the co-chairman of, of the club with my dad, um, which has been very fun. But um, yeah, I have this kind of other this, this kind of second job now of running this semi-professional football club. That's really cool. And how, how, yeah, how do you find running mischief and a football club? I think the football club is weirdly more stressful. Just because <laughs> most of that by this point, you know, we've got you know we've got lots of infrastructure and loads of people involved. Whereas you know, with the football club, you know, everything is just done by totally amazing um, volunteers and and you know people with just absolute passion for the club. Um, but you know, it's, it's it's very different the world of non-league football because it's um, you know we have a, a crowd of around kind of two hundred and twenty on average. Um, and you know that that's kind of the, that's the main thing that kind of funds the place, the gate receipts and the money that you um, you get from kind of selling burgers on the day and selling you know pints of lager and and, um, and kind of cans of coke and things. So it's, it's yeah. a really different thing, but it's, it's hugely enjoyable and it's brilliant to be involved in something that's just a you know a total you know, total community project. And as well from some for someone who just I I love. I love sport. I love football so much, and it's it's so cool to to um, it's a real privilege to have a bit of a a spot where I can I can see a bit behind the scenes and, and know a little bit more about the industry and, and how it works. I, I found that fascinating. Really, really cool. Is it in any way similar to like the theatre or the acting industry, or is it very very different? Um, ooh, it's it's the same. I tell you what, it's the same in that footballers I think are really similar. To actors, in that there's there's so many um, that you know there's there's a lot of people who want to be actors. There's a lot of people who want to be professional footballers, and it's a vocation. You know, it's a thing that you just you absolutely you know you need to do it, and and it absolutely just drives you wild when, when you can't do it or be part of it. So I think that there's a there's a there's a kind of um, there's a similarity there for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. And um, so you're you're kind of running a football club and company director of mischief as well as a writer and an actor. And do you find any of those, particularly your various roles within mischief, do you find they conflict artistically at all and prevent you from doing certain things or or kind of inhabit inhibit you in, in any way? I don't. No, I don't think so. I think they all fit fairly well. Um, I try and be a really balanced person, so I try and like. I hope one of my one of my strong suits as a person is I'm quite good at, um, at being balanced and kind of looking at different sides to different arguments and, and and kind of being able to put myself in other people's shoes quite quickly. So I think that helps in a sense. Um, but no, I mean you know as the, as we've kind of grown as a company, I suppose sometimes just the actual day to day running takes up more time than it used to so you have to be really disciplined to make sure mm. there's enough time to do what is you know what, what for me is the thing that I, I i'm really good at which is you know writing stuff and and, and hopefully performing and stuff as well so that you know it's you've got to really make sure you safeguard your time and you prioritize because otherwise you can find yourself just falling into a kind of 
you know, just doing lots and lots of admin and 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 just kind of um, yeah, just not not doing what what is probably the thing that your 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 um, the thing that I do that probably serves the company and everyone best, if that makes sense. Yeah, and the, you know, doesn't serve the reason doesn't serve yourself because you know the reason you got into doing it is because you enjoy it you didn't get yeah, into it exactly. acting to send loads of emails exactly exactly it's really interesting at the moment because obviously there's this there's this hiatus and it, and you really you know it's it's just so interesting to see maybe like what what was an essential email and what maybe you know you're like oh actually this this is just kind of stuff that, that you, you know, is, is probably less important and that's why at the moment mm. that stuff isn't happening um, yeah, it sort of recalibrated everyone's perspective. It really does, and you get a bit of you know you get a bit of distance, and you will know, you, know as, as as well as me. There's um, the last four years have been amazing and such a wild ride, but there really hasn't been any time to get off and kind of assess what's happened or just think about things in a kind you know think about things with more of a wide lens. Because you're so in everything, and you're you know every moment is so exciting and full, but it's it's very very pressurized, you know, to turn around the amount of work that we've turned around and make sure that you know everything's as good as it can be, and also make sure that you're rehearsing and you know everything and you're just fully engaged. You know, I think one of the things that I love about mischief is I think all of us don't do stuff by halves. You know, you either fully commit and you're in, or or you don't. And I think to fully commit the length of time that we have is amazing, but it's it's um. You get, yeah, you get at the moment. I suppose one of the, the very few positives about what's happening at the moment is I think everyone around the country is hopefully able to get a bit of perspective. You know, speak to your family a little bit more. I think Henry Shield said this, but just you know, I've I've spoke to my parents so much and my and my grandparents and other family members, and there's you know there's time to just check in with people. I got married at the end of last year, and you know, me and my wife. I don't think we ever spent as much time together as we have. Mm. As we have recently, you know, so it's suppose it's good to try and find where the positives are. Yeah, and how, how are you finding that spending a lot of time together? Yeah, I mean, you know, we love each other very much, so it's it's very nice. We've actually started writing a play together, so that's been really fun. Great. And then also we've just done, you know, all the stuff in the flat that we've always said, oh well, if there was time, we'd do that. You know, putting up shelves and things that we're both rubbish at, particularly me and stuff that we've always just said oh if only was the, there was the time all of a sudden we're like well there is the time so you know let's put up those shelves and things so we've probably like everyone again i imagine in the country <laughs> a really organized um tidy flat yeah i think this is the the time for that kind of behavior uh my, mine and charlie's garden is is immaculate, immaculate. <laughs> how are you yeah am i allowed to ask questions yeah you're allowed to ask questions yeah how, how are you finding it Dave? That's a very good question, John. Um, I uh, I'm actually okay. I was saying to Charlie the other day that um, I think because I spent quite a lot of time as a kid, like indoors, I actually don't mind being indoors for a long time. Yeah, I find it quite quite easy. Um, and so yeah, like going to the shops or just like going for a walk in the park or whatever. I know some people like Charlie has to do that every day. Um, but I'm actually quite happy just to go and sit in the garden for a bit or. Or, you know, I've got a lot of stuff keeping me busy in the house and that, that doesn't bother me too much. But I know for certain people, you know, being stuck indoors all day is, is really difficult. Yeah. Yeah, I can, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I think I think that I, I'm currently I'm okay with it. Like I'm some, sometimes, I don't, know, I don't know if you find this, sometimes I, I, I find that um, I'll have like a moment where it's like I fall into a little hole of kind of mm. worry. And and then and then I'll kind of lift out of there again. But that it's it's quite rare that that happens. And I imagine so many people are, are going through that. Um, yeah, it's real sort of peaks and troughs of um, yeah. am I doing enough? I should use this time to relax. No, I shouldn't. I should be doing more. And it just kind of exactly. bounces between those two. Exactly. But I think you've just got to do whatever you need to do to to get through this period of time. And you know, also try and you know, try and try and be a good person. A lot of people have said this on TV, but I imagine that this is a point in our lives that we'll really remember. So I want to mm. make sure that I come out of this period of time being like, well, I conducted myself in a way that I'm comfortable with, and you know, I think that I did what you know, I did, I did my bit. Equally, it's so hard to. I think the cruel 
the kind of cruelty of current situations. I think that when the chips are down, people want to help each other and reach out. I think that's human nature. And the thing that we are prohibited from doing is physically reaching out. So it's it makes it more abstract exactly how you can be a good person in this situation. Mm. You know, it's clear the things that you can do. You can make sure that if there's older people who live near you, you can deliver little notes to them saying, you know, if you need someone to go out and do your shopping, then we can absolutely do that. There's all you know, so many people are running. Um, you know, so many people are doing kind of fundraising efforts to make sure people who are going to be in a precarious situation are looked after. But um, yeah, I come out of this and just just feel like, oh, I did I did my best there. Um, equally, you've just got to get through it and not put too much pressure on yourself. You know, you're listening. I think it's yeah. natural to feel anxious over this time, and you know, just just try and relax, have fun, and and, and enjoy that. You know, the world is so fast and furious, so just try and enjoy this little bit of this little bit of slowdown, or at least take positives from it. I know it's hard because a lot of people are, you know, unwell and and, and worse, but um. Just try and keep a positive one attitude. Yeah, I think that's good. And I think once you, once this is all over, and once you can uh, get outside, uh, will you be running another marathon? Do you think? Well, I will. I mean, ironically, I was supposed to have run one yesterday. Um, I was running it for the women's team at Ashton United. Um, as part of the fundraising effort to make sure that kind of that team is self-sufficient for the next couple of years. Um, but alas, that that marathon was cancelled. But I've also been a bit a bit unwell, so I think I would have struggled anyway. But what I'm mm. doing in the coming weeks is I have a very small backyard, so part of me is thinking I could try and run that marathon in my backyard. Um, oh mate! I think I'd have to go up and down the yard about a hundred thousand times. <laughs> yeah, maybe I could do that, or kind of out the yard into the living room, back out from the living room into the yard. To try and do that and, and see and see if I could run the marathon in that way. Yeah, I mean, the more you say yard, the more it sounds like a weird sort of prison scenario. I mean, you know, it, it, it is a yard. It's not a garden. <laughs> having grass. So I'm, one of my, I, I, you know, it's good to know your strengths, but it's good to know your weaknesses. And one of my weaknesses is definitely gardening. And like, like I've seen what you and Charlie've done. We've got plants and flowers, and they grow and blossom. Whenever I plant something. It, it just dies to the point where I now feel like I shouldn't be allowed because I, <laughs> I don't know what it is. Like I do everything that it says, um, but they just they just don't make it. They just they never make it. It is a bit of a trial and error with gardening. I think some people are very good at it. Charlie thinks she's quite bad at it, but I think she's, you've got to be very patient as well. Yeah, I'm good at planting stuff, but I'm not good at looking after stuff. Yeah, I was to say I, I don't think me, me or you are the most patient people in the world. No, I'm just like either grow now or just like don't grow, but like pick one. <laughs> I agree. Like, come on, mate, pick a lemon sunflower. Yeah, come on, mate, switch on, grow or don't grow. Just don't, don't be slow about it. <laughs> I, um, I think that. I've just say that again. Am I striking the right tone? It just occurs to me that I'm, I'm not being ever so funny. I'm being, you know, I'm just answering questions. But you know, do I need, do I need to be more kind of? I don't know. More, more amusing. Yeah. Should I be making an effort to be amusing? I mean, not that. Uh, I get you could do, but to be honest, it's more It's more just like uh, the tone that I sort of wanted to strike with this was more that it just feels like you and I are having a chat and just kind of talking about stuff that we wouldn't really get an opportunity to talk about in a regular interview. Okay. Well, that's yeah, that's good. I think we're doing that. Yeah. Yeah, it feels pretty good. And to be fair, you know, if people have got this far in and aboard, you can turn off. Yeah, and those curse words at the beginning, that might have put a few people off. Mm, Should we put another one in now, do you think? Balls. (laughs) Very good. (laughs) Now, um, I'm going to wrap up the getting to know you section. So could you you give us that jingle? Can I give you an answer to a question that you asked earlier, just very quickly? Oh, please do, yeah. The difference between the football and mischief is Mm. that... In mischief, obviously, we all have, you know, creative control. So it, you're not just responsible for making sure on the day-to-day things run. You, you can, you know, you can totally affect change. You can write a funny script. And if you don't think it's funny enough, you can carry on working on it. And, you know, when you perform, 
as you know, I'm sure we'll discuss. Like you know, we we we, we rehash stuff and we we, we you know we, we refine and we build it and we develop it. And you know, you are performing. So when you're nervous, and you're like, oh my god, this is it. You are ultimately you're the one responsible for stepping from the wings onto the stage and and delivering. Well, football, I'm not responsible for that moment. So you can work really hard all week. You get really nervous because it's a big match coming up. But I'm not responsible for, you know, uh, you, 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 with, with, with the rest of the board or committee, you choose someone who's going to manage the team. And then that's that's on them. So you don't get any way of um, spending that nervous energy because you can't do anything. You're totally out of control once a match starts. Whereas once a play starts, we're all to- out of a TV filming. We are all, you know, very much in control, and I think that is a that is a difference. And I've learned quite a lot about myself through having having both of those experiences. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Because I sort of think that element of control is such a like human thing to want to have. Mm. But I think within it's weird because when I talk to people or go to like schools and stuff or talk to people starting out in comedy, often the thing that I'll say is. Um, is about like when you're on stage is about controlling each each moment controlling how long it lasts mm. not sitting in it not being indulgent controlling telling the audience when they need to stop laughing telling the audience you know when the punchline is for the joke when they need to clap all those sorts of things yeah. and we talk about kind of having that level of control in comedy but ultimately you can't control whether an audience finds something funny or not you can only control mm. your delivery and that's that's a kind of, kind of similar <clears throat> sort of weird feeling I think it's that we were joking before this started, but I'm someone who really likes to feel prepared. So, you know, I'll do a lot of prep. And I think it's more the fact that you, you, you yeah, with, with what we do, you can rehearse. So you can at least be like, I've done everything that I personally can do to make sure that I'm on top of all the things that I control. But then I think more than just control, it's just the fact that you've got all this nervous energy and you have, you have an activity to spend it on. If you're performing in the play, you, you, you know, you, you don't feel as nervous once it starts because you've got other things to do and, you know, you get adrenaline and you can use all that adrenaline. Whereas if you are watching a new cast for the first time or if you are watching a football team play in a qualifying round for the FA Cup where you know that's really important for the future of the club and you know that actually that will look after a hell of a lot of people if we can just score, <laughs> you know, um, mm. you've got nowhere for that nervous energy to go other than just standing there at the side, clapping, shouting, come on. <laughs> which, is, which is, is, is tough and it's not necessarily about control it's just about the fact that you, you're just so pent up that there's nothing to do with it other than just just try and you know chill and, and enjoy yeah mm. I think that's very good advice mm. are you happy for us to wrap up getting to know you yeah I think so could you wrap us up with that getting to know you jingle bum bum babble bum 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 babble bum getting to know you very good it is an earworm it is an earworm it's very good um so we we, you're you're about to have another jingle almost immediately so this um this section is questions from the web uh and these are um i mean they're not from just from the web they're what they are they're just from twitter basically these are these are some selection of questions that people have tweeted in that they'd like to ask you specifically um so uh yeah could you give us uh, questions from the web jingle i got a question a question in my head i'm gonna put it i put it on the web <laughs> nice <laughs> felt like there was a lot of tension there was i was really tense i, I really tensed up to do that I that was good american voice i think i liked it i liked it a lot um so the first question i've got is from at emma aki I think it's Aki. It's A-K-E-Y-Y. Yeah, I think so. Aki. Yeah. Aki. Um, <laughs> she has asked, uh, and we can do this separately to this recording if you like, please can you record wake up instead of get out so I can set it as my alarm in the morning? I would love to do that. A few people <laughs> a few people <laughs> for that. Um, in the same way that people asked me to do one that said stay in. Um, so yeah, here we go. Um, wake up! Wake up! <laughs> what I might do is get you to record it on your iPhone after this, and then send it to me, and then we can put it out as like an official mischief MP3. 
Yeah, that, maybe we should do ones for like different moments in your life. What other moments are there? Like, um, like happy birth? No, something's got to be like congratulations. You've just got like a new job or something. You, like you could do an affirmation once, like well done. Yeah. Well done. You could do um, if, if there's like a moment where you need you need to just put yourself out there. You could have step up. Yeah, yeah that's very good. Step up. Um, you, I mean, there's lots of stuff you could do for football. Come on! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, if you guys have a big screen, whenever Ashton scores, it could be you in the deer heads just screaming, Go! That way it's got to be Baba, I think. Yeah. Great goal. Great goal! <laughs> <laughs> well, although, although apparently, um, on the, the, day before, the day after um, the Lodge aired, um, we, we won. And a few of a few of the players text me saying "get in," and I was totally very baffled. good. I was totally baffled by it. And then I was like, "Oh, get in, get in, very good." Get in is a very good one. Yeah. Well, okay. So, well, there you go, Emma. Um, there's your wake up recording. I'll see if I can get John to do it separately after this, and then uh, we'll see if we can Might not relax you. put it on. Sleep now. Sleep <laughs> now. <You know? laughs> I imagine more and more people yeah. going off the podcast right now. Please, um, no, please do send in all your requests for uh, John to shout various things from his deer head character. I've got a lot of time. Like, that could be what I do in the morning. Yeah. We'll have to, we'll have to like, ensure your voice. Yeah, because it's, ironically, it's something that does, um, it does strain the vocal folds during that. Mm. I imagine it does. We um, out and just, you know, tense everything up. So our next question here is from uh, Hayley Pineapple. Right. Um, presumably she is not an actual pineapple. You never know. Uh, but uh, the pineapple asks, what is your favourite holiday destination and why? Ooh, um, I just went on a honeymoon and we went, to, um, we went to Africa and that was just absolutely amazing. We went to Tanzania and that was just a mind-blowing experience. So I'd probably say there or... Um, I, I, I love to go anywhere in France just because I've been trying to learn the language forever. Um, so, you know, somewhere there. Um, but, yeah, probably the, probably those two places, I'd say, were pretty pretty amazing. Zanzibar, that was really cool. That was on the honeymoon as well. And do you think that it was your favourite destination because it was your honeymoon? But, or if you'd gone there for another reason, I, it might have still been your favourite? It's hard, hard to know. I mean, it was it was just such a... It's such a great place for honeymoon. We were so lucky to be able to go. Um, mm. But it, but equally, it's just it's just it's just beautiful, and it's just it's just again, it's just one of those things where it's just um, it's kind of life changing to go to somewhere where there's you know just just you know different just just go to a different culture and just immerse yourself. It's um, it's a really really fantastic thing to do. That's really cool. Yeah, I don't know why. Um, I don't know. Imagine if you went to, you know, the Grand Hotel in Scarborough for your honeymoon. I don't think that would be your favourite holiday destination. I don't know, but a honeymoon is a really good. It's a really good thing because you're so kind of loved up, and you know, getting. Well, our, our, we had such a lovely day um, on our wedding. Little t- little um, fact um, is that Dave Hearn um, performed the ceremony. So Dave. <laughs> yes. Dave actually married us, um, but it was such a lovely time. You, you go there just on like such a phenomenal high um, that I, you know, I think no matter where we'd, we'd gone, we'd have, we'd have probably had it. Probably would have become my be- my favourite destination. Do you get a lot of preferential treatment? Um, Not as much as you want. <laughs> I don't. Know. <laughs> yeah, like like when we, when we went to a hotel, there's like there's often like some fruit on the bed and a message that says like you know congratulations. Um, mm. So you'll get like a little glass of prosecco um, when you have your dinner. Um, so I suppose you get that kind of treatment. Also, we were really lucky because because of the shows and stuff, it was very limited where we could actually go. So we went in November. Um, and we were really fortunate that all the weather was perfect, but it's not necessarily the season where people travel out there. So, so um, it was quite empty and quite quiet, which was again really, really cool because it meant that you yeah. 
had proper time to speak to the people that were there and you know, make friends. That must be really nice. Mm. Yeah. Um, okay, well, our next question is from at Daisy. Um, what is your most memorable moment from Lambda? From Lambda? Yeah. Now, I think you've probably got a couple, but, you know, you don't have to pick just one. And we did a, uh, we did a performance of Cabaret, and that always kind of immediately reminds me of my time there. We did it at Wilkins. Mm. Um, which is such a cool venue. It's an old music hall, obviously, that like Chapman and stuff performed on, and I was the MC. So that was a lot of fun. But then, you know, it's probably just, it's more just that, you know, the silly daft exercises you do, you know, doing object exercises, just watching people, you know, watching one of your, your friends just, you know, peel a banana and eat it and then pretend to write a diary entry. That, that always, that always sticks in my head. Um, doing clown classes obviously that's had a huge impact on on the work that we do um and just you know just having to stand up in front of 25 people um which was you know your class and just and just be funny i think that's such yeah you know i thought that was really useful because it puts such a crazy pressure on you in fact one of have i got time to give, give you a bit of a eureka moment that i had with comedy absolutely um i remember we had to stand up as our clown we had to walk from behind this little kind of little flat that was put up in the room, walk from behind it, look at everyone and just do something that made everyone laugh. I think you had to fall over and make everyone laugh and you know how you did it, how you engineered it. That was totally up to you, but but really you had like three seconds to make everyone laugh. And I remember sitting down and as I said, I like to prepare. So I was going through in my head, like, what could I do? What could I do? And my mind was racing. I was like, I know what I'll do. I've got quite loose trousers on. I'll undo the buckle now, just just very subtly. And then my trousers will fall down as I walk, and then I'll trip up, and that'll be really, really funny. So I surreptitiously unbuckled my trousers. I got up, walked out from behind a little flat. My trousers fell down. I fell over, and nothing. Like, there was no laughter whatsoever. <laughs> And I, <laughs> and I had really tight little pants on um, underneath my trousers and my trousers were down by my ankles and all these colleagues and, you know, and, and kind of friends who I was just getting to know were all just looking at me with very stern faces and <laughs> faces and, and like, you know, I was just totally vulnerable and exposed and, you know, I must have gone a ridiculous shade of red and I must have looked quite alarmed. And the more wound up I got and the more vulnerable I became, all of a sudden those stern faces started turning into, you know, guffaws and laughs. And I think it was at that moment that I realized, oh, you don't, I, I mean, particularly my style, it's not really about getting people to laugh with me. It's, it's people laughing at you. And, you know, very often the thing that's funny is just pain and a truthful vulnerability. And I think that moment actually... Uh, has had quite a big effect on on you know so much of, of how of how I perform comedy and also things I write and stuff like that. Yeah, well, that's really good. I think that's the kind of thing that, um, yeah, a lot of people kind of want to know those those sort of eureka moments because they 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 happen so rarely, but they only happen if you kind of are brave enough to fail, I guess, or stupid enough mm. to think that you won't fail. Yeah, and uh, I think to, that's the joy of it. You've got to fail and fail and fail and fail. You'll fail many more times than you succeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then hopefully someone will come and see that success and be like, "Oh, that was very successful. Few well done." Remember failures. <laughs> Few people remember failures. They remember successes, and they, you know, they never remember. Like if you go and see a sketch show and you see, you you, you remember the brilliant sketches, don't you? You don't remember the one that didn't make you laugh. You remember the three really great sketches that make you laugh. Yeah, 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 that is very true. I've got all the Monty Python sketches. I mean, you know, you remember the parrot sketch. You remember you remember the sketches that really, really made you laugh. You don't remember the, the slightly more mixed ones from earlier days. The sort of stranger ones. Yeah, you just don't because that's just yeah. how the human mind works. And you've got to just be expressive and be, be prepared to fail to find, you know, to find the parrot sketch, to find the thing that's really, really funny. Uh, well, that actually leads on, speaking of Monty Python, to uh, Satellite Girl's question, mm. uh, which is, uh, who are your comedy influences growing up? Ooh, so growing up, it was like Mark and Wise. I watched like 
so much more from wines. I used to go to my grandparents a lot, and they just had all of it on VHS. So um, huge amounts of more from wines. Um, and then also like lots of silent comedy. I'm really into Charlie Chaplin, Buster Keaton, um, all that stuff, which, you know, it's just so, so simple, but so beautifully crafted. And then I, I also watched a lot of Norman Wisdom, so it's really old school stuff. But then, you know, in more modern terms, you know, the Evans, Peter Kane, you know, um, also um, Monty Python. I really liked Smack the Pony when that was on. Uh, like lots. I try and have quite an eclectic, like particularly now, I try and I try and have like lots of things that I like that's really, really eclectic. Um, I think that's quite good for your development as well as a, as a creator. To just watch lots of stuff and try and find different ways that you enjoy them. Mm. And she, well, she also asks, "What um, what current comedy are you loving apart from mischief?" What current comedy, am I loving? Um, like the last year has been a bit has been a bit of a. I've not. I've like we've been so so busy with the new shows and with getting married and with the TV show. Um, Come, come back to me because there's loads of stuff that I watch, but my mind's just mm. totally gone blank. And um, put me on the spot. That's all right. We can uh, we can jump okay. to Polly's mum forty seven. Um, I don't know if Polly's asking this question or is her mum. Mm-hmm. Um, but she has asked, how do you find the transition to television, and uh, were there any unexpected problems from going from one medium to another? Hmm. I think that. Um, I really enjoyed the process of going from stage to to doing some television. I thought it was really, really fun. I think that in regards to like how you create, you have to find a way to condense the whole process. So you know, you write a play and maybe you perform it. Oh, they're here for you. I heard, you got you. I heard, you heard that. I heard a silence. Yeah. That's a shame. We're running out of time. Unfortunately, they're going to burst through the door any minute. Oh, okay. Well, I'll, I'll be I'll be quick. <laughs> <laughs> you have to speed up the whole process. So you write a play and you might do an out-of-town tryout, and then you put it on in London, you have previews, and all that time you're redrafting and rewhittling, and you've got an audience every night, so you can hear what's laugh, you know, what gets a laugh and what doesn't. And it's not just the writing, it's the performance. It's you know, exactly where you leave a beat and exactly how you say the line and exactly where your character is in that stage of the journey. And in TV, you just don't have that. Um, we had around 10 days to, to rehearse and get the whole episode on its feet and ready and you know that that just means you have you have less time you know and some of the stuff you can't actually do until you're actually there with the audience filming it so you have mm. to get a lot you have to just get a lot sharper and i'd say probably there's there's less space for um for indulging and, and saying well let's just give that a chance let's see what happens i think you, you have to be a little bit more decisive and be like you know what yeah that's going to take that's going to take half an hour to film on the night and we're not going to be able to run it in front of an audience before then. It also sounds like it could be expensive, so let's just let's just not take the risk there because we could really we could put ourselves in hot water. So you've got to strike the balance in that sense. I think the other thing that we found um, the journey was telling the story of who the audience is with the TV show. Is the audience just the audience at home, or is it an audience that's in that room as well? Because I think that audience is the thing that creates the pressure for the comedy characters. Um, mm. so with Peter Pan Goes Wrong, we, you know, we, we had that audience there and we showed that audience quite a lot. Like we kept cutting to them and seeing them in their seats laughing or applauding or whatever. On Christmas Carol, we did the exact opposite. So we still had an audience there, but then we chose never to show them, which I think probably didn't work as well because it makes it a bit more abstract and a bit more alien of just like, well, what is that laughter? And, what who are you know are these characters under pressure you know if there's no audience they could have just stopped couldn't they and then i think we found the perfect um the perfect way of doing it now with the tv show which is you show them in that shot at the beginning and then maybe you'll have like maybe you might you might cut back to like a a kind of very wide shot of the studio where you you're just reminded oh there is an audience but you're not constantly showing them in a way that might alienate the viewers at home. So I think that's been the biggest test, actually, just telling the story of who the audience is. Yeah, that that is always something that we um, you kind of learn by doing. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. the that's the kind of main thing with that audience. But I think that's uh, yeah, I would agree with all of that actually. Well, I think that can bring us to the end of oh. questions from the web. I was trying to um, ask a question. 
So can you give us the question from the web jingle? Okay, then. Oh, it's not an earworm. Um, I've got a question, question in my head. I'm going to put it, put it on the web. That wasn't it, was it? Nice. No, that was pretty close. That was pretty good. Okay. Uh, well, the, the we, you've got one more chance to come up with a jingle because the final section is the quick fire round. Uh, I call it the round, but this is not a quiz. It's a quick fire section. Okay. Um, so can you give me a quick fire jingle? No, that's that is that's awful. <laughs> that is just so erratic. <laughs> I got, I got. I'm not going to succeed in this round. This is going to be good. I'm gathered. I like to slowly find my point. I'm not good at just. What about just like? Quick fire. No, terrible. Again. Did you, did you cough at the end? I, I don't know what I made. I made a <laughs> <laughs> It really sounded like you went ba bow ba da bow quick fire. <coughs> <laughs> no, um I no, I don't know what it was. I tried to make like a wow sound but it, it didn't it didn't come out. It got stuck. Well, remember that, because you'll do that at the end again. <laughs> um Okay, so you get the idea of a quick fire is I'm gonna ask you loads of questions, try not to think about them too much, just fire out the first answer that comes into your head. Alright then. Okay, here we go. First question What is your favourite colour? Red. Who is your, or what is your spirit animal? I don't understand. Uh, like, a, prob- probably like a meerkat or something kind of, you know, like a Gibraltar. I don't, like something that's not comfortable ever. <laughs> okay. Um, who is the bossiest member of Mischief? Um, oh, God. I, I, oh, I, I, pass. Um, pass. I don't know. Pass, good. Uh, who is uh, the most likely to corpse on stage? Oh, you're up there. Charlie's up there. Yeah, that's pretty good options. Thing as 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 you know. As you know. Yeah, uh, is a Jaffa cake a cake or a biscuit? It's a cake. It's in the title. There you go. Uh, what is your favourite film? Um, it's possibly City Lights by Charlie Chaplin. Nice. Uh, who in mischief would be the first to die in a zombie apocalypse? Um, I think it would be me. <laughs> Very good. Uh, have you ever been mistaken for Rory Stewart? Rory Stewart, um, yeah. um, I've not been mistaken for him, but it has been pointed out that there are similarities. The same with Gareth Southgate, the same with Rory McIlroy, really just anyone who has dark hair who is probably thinner than they could be. <laughs> and uh, finally, who is your comedy hero? Oh, um, well, me and Carrie Kershaw often say you're my comedy hero, but, you know, most people in mischief are. Um, and then probably like Norman Wisdom or Charlie Chaplin. Or Lee Evans, those kind of big physical, crazy storytelling people. They're, they're, they're pretty, pretty idle. Very good. Well, that is the end of the quick fire round. So give us that quick fire jingle. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Uh, so we're going to wrap up now. Um, but uh, just before we go, do you have any? Uh, I know you like to watch a lot of documentaries. Do you have any uh, TV recommendations or documentary recommendations for people to watch? We're watching Unorthodox at the moment, which isn't a documentary, but that's a really good. Um, that's a really good drama that's on Netflix. We've mm-hmm. started watching the second series of Sunderland Till I Die, which is a really good fly on the wall documentary about the running of Sunderland Football Club. Which even if you don't like football. I think is 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 a, is a really compelling viewing. Um, Tiger King, you know, everyone's watching that at the moment, and and I would I would recommend that. Um, and then book, can I give a book recommendation? Absolutely. Um, a guy called Dan Jones. Me and Shields both share a bit of a um, a love of, of kind of medieval history. He wrote a book called The Plantagenets, and that's a really good history book if you just want to get into Plantagenet history. And I'm also currently reading, um, um, I think you pronounce it Keyshot. I think that's how he's asking us to pronounce it. Um, but I would say Quixote or Quixote. But it's um, Salman Rushdie, and it's a, it's a kind of adaptation of, um, of Don Quixote. And that's quite good. I'm reading that. And Unfollow by um, Megan Phelps Roper, who's one of the um, people who were in the Westboro Baptist Church, you know, the Louis Theroux documentary visit. Yes. She wrote this book about leaving the church, and it's a really good book, essentially about being kind and looking at different sides of, you know, just trying to look at where where people are coming from, 
and just trying to approach everyone with a degree of understanding, which I think is, you know, to, to have come through that particular church, which is not built mm. understanding, um, and to have come out with, with that view is that that's a really great book. And anything Louis through, I've literally gone back and I've watched every Louis through documentary from the very start. They're so good, aren't they? Yeah, and he's got a book out at the moment, moment called Getting, um, I've Got to Get Through This. Um, yes. He does a, um, he does, he, it's available in audiobook, and that's really good to read. And also everything by John Ronson. I've, I've just read everything by, by John Ronson over the last six months. And he's, he, he's, a bit, he's a bit of an idol at the moment. He's just, I think he's an excellent writer, and just the way he writes is so detailed and interesting. And, and yeah. Well, great thank you uh thank you very much um ladies and gentlemen thank you very much for listening i've been dave han and this is uh been jonathan sayer uh do keep your eyes open for the next episode uh follow us on uh on twitter and various other social platforms and uh thanks for listening and keep making mischief thank you Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.